Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things that connect us. Whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea, we talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. My son is doing a work placement and has to achieve 130 hours of practical time in an appropriate institution that the university have registered for the purpose. This should have happened during his university course, but Covid stopped all this, and so he is spending his summer holiday travelling to a sports stadium 25 miles away, and of course, Dad gets to do some of the driving. So having finished work and driven over, I walk into a takeaway joint, masked donned, and I'm advised by an official that it is takeaway only. I smile reassuringly, and she smiles back. We can only tell by the creases at the side of our eyes that we're smiling. I say no problem. My order is taken through a flat screen computer, and I see that my number is on a digital screen, and after about five minutes my order arrives. I'm probably the only person in the place that has ordered a cup of tea, and by the time I get it, my mind has wandered, and I'm not really focusing too much on my surroundings. I place everything onto a small station, so that I can squirt tomato sauce and open UHT milk sachets. Suddenly I realise that there are two young people, a couple, probably in their late teens waiting, possibly slightly irritated by the oldie blocking their access completely. I apologise and move my stuff. They smile reassuringly and move into place on my left. By this stage, I've taken off the plastic lid from the beaker of tea, deftly avoiding spilling the thing on the floor, and pull at one of the milk sachets. It opens suddenly, spraying half of its contents on the outstretched arm of the lad at my side, his girlfriend immediately erupting into guffaws of laughter. I've now confirmed in their minds my oldie status, and again, I'm apologising. Now they're both laughing, and I kind of join them in an embarrassed laughter, saying, Oh God, under my breath, shaking my head. We smile, and they accept my attempts at restitution. As I leave, I can hear the girl laughing again, as they recount the inept man to their friends thing is, I made a gaffe, but our close contact made for a more human interaction, and at all times things remained polite. I reflect on this as I get back into my car and pull out onto the road and see someone lurch forward to get out onto the roundabout, barging in front of another car. The affronted driver blasts their horn and the miscreant transgresses further by just blasting their horn for even longer, accelerating away from the vehicle behind as though to prove that their move was quite reasonable and that the other person was the malefactor. So the difference is plain. Stick people in boxes with wheels on, and the humanity somehow disappears. In fact, only one of the parties needs to be in the box. The stakes are somehow raised when objectification comes into play. The cyclist and the car driver, or even the cyclist and the pedestrian. So perhaps the box is irrelevant. Donning lycra and sitting on the saddle of a bike can be enough. It's clear that in any population, whether it is pedestrians, car drivers or cyclists, there are good and bad. Hopefully, the minority are bad in each. When one group criticises the other, they are sometimes right and sometimes completely wrong. At these times, there is often a loss of appreciation that drivers sometimes ride bikes and vice versa. Some who only do one, perhaps not understanding the rules. One rule that is often misunderstood is Rule 66 of the Highway Code. It causes no end of grief, but is designed for safety. Cyclists, if in a group, should cycle in pairs. 
Ten riders strung out on the road will lead to cars having to spend far too long in an overtake. And as five lots of two, it means drivers can choose their overtake more easily and get past them quicker. On one hand, it leads to drivers reaching for their horns. And on the other, there are some groups of cyclists who feel that riding three astride is okay, which of course, it's not. Even as a solo cyclist, I'm sometimes overtaken by cars, leaving less than 12 inches for me, rather than the requisite one and a half metres. Extremely stressful when it happens, and it does make me wonder whether as part of the driving test, drivers should be exposed to road cycling, so that they can have a feel for what it is like to be objectified on the road. Yes, cyclists are slow, but patience is all that is needed, and the delays created by cyclists are very small in general, and I'm often surprised by the impatience that leads to near misses, mostly risking the cyclist, just to save a few seconds, somehow ignoring that humanity. Surely someone's life is worth more than spilt milk on someone's arm.